If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Mutant because it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. And we're going to answer your questions. So send your questions to questions at drhoffman.net. And what's next? This is from Karen. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I'm considering getting a reverse osmosis water purifier. As I've read that it is the only way to get rid of PFAS. Okay. Which is a toxin. What is the best way to replace the minerals it will remove? Should I purchase the drops to put back in the water? I think there should be some instructions with using a reverse osmosis filter because they remove some of the minerals as well. It may require putting some back. That is indeed a possibility. I would check with the manufacturing. So they take out too much. They take out too much. Right. It's they take like out the good drinking, stuff and the bad stuff. Yeah. But it's not like drinking it's distilled like pure, water. like pure H2O. Right. It's not like drinking nope. distilled water, okay. which would be dangerous over time. Right, because you're not getting any minerals. Right, right. But reverse osmosis is, is one of the best things, is one of the best water You know, there are actually some use. studies that claim that water softness, mm -hmm. hard water is mineral rich, and water so soft water... It actually tastes a little sweeter, uh, mm. and it is thought to be desirable because it I think that's why New York water tastes good. It doesn't, whatever. So it's, what are the, what's the advantage soft of water. soft water? It's I like, don't know. I don't know. It's like less... Hard water promotes a lot of lime stains yeah, and yeah, all yeah, this yeah, kind yeah. of Okay, stuff. that kind of thing, right. You want to use lime away and do all this yeah. stuff. So, yeah. But they actually studies that show that in areas where the water is naturally harder, there's less cardiovascular disease, mm. possibly because of the magnesium effect. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Is that maybe you know people are so magnesium deficient that they they may need it's to get true. it from the water? It, it's prob it's probably epidemic. The uh, not enough people are, are, are taking the required amount. If, if getting any magnesium at all, or they're burning through it. Yeah. On a daily basis. So, Karen, I would check with the manufacturing on on the. I mean, the other simple osmosis. thing is to you know, take a multivitamin with multi minerals. Absolutely, and, you know. and remember that you're also getting. Those minerals from your food. Sure. So it, you're not going to be far off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can compensate for that. that. Certainly. All right. Because, I mean, the, really, the trace amounts of minerals in the water. I mean, True. Because if there's a ton of minerals in the water, the water would be, like, funky tasting. Exactly. Exactly. And, and possibly cause uh, other problems and buildup. That would not be the way 
that would not be the way to go. Yeah, you know, and your pipes and so on. Right? Exactly. Exactly. The washing that, machine, you know. You know. Right. Right. You know. So well, what's what's this yeah. thing? What mm. uh, washing your hair with soft water or hard water? Because it's like it, do you get less lather with soft water or what, what? Oh, I don't know about the lather, but I know when I wash my hair in the city, it's very different from when I wash my hair in the country. I don't know if that's the same for you. Out east, uh-huh. like in the summer, because the water there is harder. Harder. I get a super lion's mane happening, whereas in the okay, city, so, so hard, the water is ha- softer. Hard water folds more. Yeah. Hard water. Yeah. But now, now that there is public water where we are, I mean, back in the day, it was well water. And I'll tell you, when we washed in well, I mean, you didn't want to drink the stuff. You're, you would get fluorosis or something. Your teeth would turn black. Oh. Too many minerals in, wow. the, in the well water we were not allowed to drink the well water oh out in the country where we were because it's, it's because, of because of pollution or because yeah. of okay so because too, many, in the, too much iron manganese well there was also a, a lot of you're talking long island yeah there was a lot of industrial plants there yes. and they got into the water table and in right. fact uh around riverhead yeah. When you, I, I, I've ridden my bike around there. There's a lot of these abandoned aircraft plants, which mm-hmm. were really big in uh, World War II and the Cold War. Yeah. And Grumman. Grumman. That's and, right. And they have, you they know, were big employers. They back really in the day. Uh, spoiled the aquifer. Yeah. And so when you dig into a well, you're drawing water from the aquifer, which has a lot of pollutants in exactly. it. It became like it became like a Superfund site. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to, well water, you have to be very careful absolutely. with. Absolutely. You have to make sure that it's been purified. You you absolutely need to test it. So we've got a question here from Donna. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. You've been a favorite for multiple years. I was an avid listener to WOR. Thank you for the years of, of insight and wisdom. As a senior, she's 78 years old, I chose not to receive the vaccine for multiple reasons. For the past 40 years, I've been under naturopathic care, so even flu vaccines are not on my agenda. But in a recent post, you spoke of the aftermath of the COVID virus. Do these people who got COVID take the vaccine, the boosters? My question, is anyone keeping track of the number of people who develop COVID who've also received the vaccines compared to those who have received or not receive I, the vaccine. I think what she's getting at is... Are there symptoms more or less severe? Oh, well, I, that I think is a really good question. Yeah. But I think most of the studies, and there may be some bias involved in some of these studies, because yeah. they're official studies, suggest that uh, taking the vaccine attenuates COVID. Yeah. Uh, attenuates it somewhat, but not to that much of an extent, especially now with the variants. Yeah. And the booster is said by some to be more efficacious than the original shot, but other studies say that it's not much more efficacious than the original shot for reducing severe symptoms, hospitalization, and, of course, death. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I think what she's asking about is long COVID. Is yeah. that? Okay. No, she says in your article, you didn't state whether people who had long-term effects had had the vaccine or had not had the vaccine. Oh, you mean I long, think you're just talking I think about, so, long, talking COVID. about long, long COVID, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, so the answer is... Um, that um, there is uh, one study that suggested that long COVID was a little less common in people who received the vaccine. Yeah. But 
that other studies have said that there's not much difference and that the vaccine doesn't prevent long COVID. But there's not a lot of evidence that the vaccine mm-hmm. makes long COVID more likely. Right. I don't, I haven't seen that. Okay. Um, okay. Notwithstanding that vaccines can have side effects, but do they make it more likely you'll get long COVID when you eventually get COVID, which you're right. likely to get at, even after the vaccine? So I, I can't say that, uh, yeah. you know, now, Donna says, I have several examples in my own life of friends, people who had been inoculated and had terrible cases of the virus with long-term effects. Many of them have heart issues. She doesn't say whether okay. before so, or after. Let, let's talk a little bit about yeah. long COVID. Um, there is a very interesting article uh, by Marty McCary, who I like, because he's a voice of reason amidst the hysteria, uh, where he says... Long COVID is real, and he says he's seen many cases of it. You know, people who are bona fide, sick and debilitated for a long time after COVID. Yeah. But he also points out that there's a little bit of a hysteria going on about long COVID. There's some studies that came out that said that, you know, 20% of people who've got COVID will develop long COVID. Oh, wow. Or, the, or that, you know, like even like higher percentages of people. Will, so that suggests that since like, we have almost everybody in the United States uh, is going to get COVID uh-huh. if they haven't already had COVID. Wow. Uh, that, you know, we got a 300 million plus population that like, what's 20% of that? That's like 60 million people. Yeah. Uh, They're going to have long COVID. Are going to have long COVID. They're going to be, we're going to be like a wa- walking zombies. And that is an argument that's invoked by what I call the COVIDians. These are people who don't want to go out of the house. They want to mask with N95 masks all the time. They want to take every booster in sight because they say that it's so likely that they will get long COVID if they, God forbid, ever get COVID, that they're deathly afraid. Yeah, COVIDians, I like it. Yeah, and so, (laughs) and so, uh, but what McCary points out in this Wall Street Journal article that just came out today, I think, is that, uh, excuse me, Mm -hmm. that study with a 20% is very flawed. Yeah. And that another study, and this is interesting, I looked at that study with interest, and it looked at people who had COVID versus people who had other respiratory infections yeah. that tested negative for COVID. Yeah. And it found that actually there was a slightly higher percentage of people with long debilitating symptoms from the other respiratory infections. Ah, yes. You know, flu and what have you, you know. You know, we've seen patients in the past, I'm talking long before the pandemic, who would come in for IVs back when you were doing IVs because they had an upper respiratory infection that just wouldn't yeah. leave. So this is not They new. had long viral Post, syndrome. Post-viral Post-viral fatigue. Sy- fatigue. Yeah. And these were young, healthy people yeah. even. Yeah. They weren't all elderly or... So, so there may be some unique features to COVID which cause long-term symptoms. Yeah. But there are also some common features of COVID with other respiratory infections that uh, make it, I mean, it should be reassuring that a fairly high percentage of people who have what seems like long COVID yeah. have um, a eventual resolution of that. Yeah. And it may take a long time because it's yeah. a serious virus. Yeah. I mean, we've seen people who I mean, have... especially people who are like intubated or something. That, yeah. It's understandable. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But we've even seen people who had the flu in January, for example. I'm thinking a few years back. 
again before the pandemic, had the flu in January, and it's March, and they're still not themselves. You know the song by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, uh, you know, and it's had the flu for Christmas, not feeling up to par. Uh, (laughs) I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah worsens my it worsens my paranoia. <laughs> when I see a police car, Uh-oh. that's the line from uh, I think Buffalo Springfield or something like okay. that. It's, it's a sixties or seventies song. Okay, but you know I, I keep thinking about that because I've had you know flu-like illnesses where it took a long time to recover. So for example, yeah. I had uh, it's now like three weeks since I had COVID. Yeah, I went swimming yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, I was. Well, part of it was that I'm, I'm jet lag. I couldn't tell whether there's jet lag yeah. or whether it was the aftermath of COVID. But I swam about half the distance that I usually swim. Your circadian rhythms are all over the map right now. So it's a little yeah. bit of both, and also like long plane flight. Sure. Uh, so I'm, but there's no question that there's an aftermath of COVID mm-hmm. that is normal mm-hmm. and depends on the severity of COVID. It depends on your underlying condition. Yeah. But here's another thing about long COVID. It's not a merit system because there are people who report that they were in this, the peak of physical health, and, yeah. you know, like athletes and a superb diet. And they were zonked. And they're young and they have been sick for two years. Yeah. 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 So we see that more rarely, however. Yeah. So. But so again, yeah. I would say that long COVID is real, but I just don't. It's mm-hmm. part of that fear that mm-hmm. is so pervasive that people, you know, used to be people would like, oh, okay, I'll go out, I'll take my chances, I might get a cold, I might get a flu. It's like, you know, natural, the winter. That's, you right. know, and now it's like, oh my God, I, Dr. Robin, you went on a plane? How could you do that? <laughs> right. You know, it's like, yeah, gotta live. Yeah, gotta live. We all gotta live. Yeah. Exactly. Good point which to pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share an important message with you. So here goes. Harness the energy you need to get you through the hectic holiday season with NT Factor's holiday sale. Get 20% off all orders of $150 or more now through December 31st. Just use the code SAVE20 at ntfactor.com. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to repair damaged cells and improve your body's natural energy production. Clinical trials have shown that NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half. It also reduces some of the side effects of aging. NT Factor is all natural available in a variety of formulations tailored to your specific needs. I've been using NT Factor for years and I prescribe it for my patients. So take advantage of NT Factor's holiday sale and stock up for the new year. Get 20% off all orders of $150 or more through December 31st. Call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or use code SAVE20 at ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening and thanks very much for supporting us, Monsters. I totally endorse these messages because I use all these supplements myself and these products, and I recommend them to you. And now back to our questions. We've got a question from Michael. What supplements should not be taken with low-dose aspirin? 81 milligram. What supplements should not be taken with low-dose aspirin? 
There ain't, I'm, I'm there wondering, ain't no supplements. There aren't, there aren't any. Right. You could take anything you want with the low-dose aspirin. I guess the concern is, is there a synergy in terms of the anticoagulating effects? Yeah, or, or maybe he's concerned about interaction or, or yeah, 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 interaction well, or it, something it, like it, that. I think the main thing is that it's a bit of a blood thinner, and yeah. there are supplements that are blood thinners. Mm -hmm. But actually, uh, in studies looking, and this is interesting, this has actually been looked at. It's like you would, fish oil is a bit of a blood thinner. Yeah. So you'd think that people on aspirin or other blood thinners would have more incidences of bleeding when they take fish oil. Yeah. It's actually the opposite. Mm. It's they, these, you know, severe bleeding seems to be somewhat less when yeah. you take fish oil with blood thinners, including aspirin, mm -hmm. according to studies. Uh, so I would say virtually nothing, right? Yeah. The, the more important thing... Especially low-dose aspirin. Right. The, the more important thing I would tell Michael is that when you take that aspirin, you should take it on a full stomach. Yeah. Even if it's a low-dose. Right. Because long-term use of aspirin, if you're taking a low-dose, he's on a long-term aspirin right. therapy, probably. I could see... You want to take it on a full stomach. I could see how you could get in trouble if you take aspirin on an empty stomach when you take, like, vitamin C crystals, like oh boy. five grams of... That's a stomach of, ache. That's like, you know, you put yeah. that on your stomach, you know, and... That's a stomach ache. Yeah, right, that's, right, right. that could be, you know, exactly. too, too acidic, too uh, mm -hmm. caustic right. for your stomach. Take, take your low-dose aspirin on a full stomach, as you would most of your other vitamins anyway, most of them. Right. And because uh, taking an aspirin as you are daily can cause a GI bleed unless you coat your stomach first with food. Yeah. That's why it's still a pet peeve of mine when, well, my doctor said take it at night. No, take it after dinner. Right. Take it after a meal. Yeah. Take it after dinner. And then. here's the other thing about low-dose aspirin is that it used to be like, everybody over 40 should take low-dose aspirin. It's been so dispelled and yeah, disproven. It it's a shibboleth that people <clears throat> over a certain age will benefit from aspirin. If you have a condition... Yeah. Where if you've had like blood clots, if you've had a heart attack, mm -hmm. uh, if you've had a stroke in some instances where they prefer aspirin over other blood thinners, mm -hmm. although usually it's more heavy duty blood thinners that they give you, then yes, and mm -hmm. per a doctor's instructions, take aspirin. But you know, if you have uh, 150 million Americans over the age of 40 taking uh, aspirin, you're going to have a hell of a lot of GI bleeds, even yes. though even if it's like one percent of people will get GI bleeds. True. Absolutely. And it's unnecessary because there's no benefit and the risk is slight but something? real. Yeah. We've got a question here from Rich. Hi, doctor. I read with interest Layla's response to a question about mercury amalgam fillings, which I'd written about recently uh, for the newsletter. I had several removed. By a very progressive holistic dentist. Has to be done right. Yes, use a mouth dam, negative pressure, procedure rooms. Because the vapors me, can actually go yes, into your brain. Yeah. Absolutely. Had me undergo a course of EDTA IV chelation therapy. Okay. After a blood test showed high mercury and lead. Can you talk more about chelation therapy? Not only for lowering, lowering levels of dangerous heavy metals, but also its use in clearing plaque okay. from the cardiovascular uh, system. I. I'm, I'm quite an expert on chelation therapy. I'm actually past yeah. president of the American College for Advancement in Medicine. Yes. And we authored, uh, you know, I'm actually, I mean, I haven't written a lot of research papers, but I'm actually listed as a co-author on 
the breakthrough paper on chelation therapy, mm -hmm. which demonstrated that it could reduce cardiovascular events. And it was part of the research design for that study. Yeah. So uh, the, the thought is that chelation is not like, um, is not like a roto-rooter treatment that blasts away plaque. Mm -hmm. if, if it did, it would be dangerous because it, it would send shards of calcified plaque into... And then you could have a stroke. Yeah, exactly. You could have a... So what it appears to do is it changes the chemistry at the surface of the interior of the artery, at the endothelial lining, because the presence of heavy metals to which we're all exposed causes more atherogenesis. It causes more yes. inflammation. Uh, it uh, damages the endothelial lining. And by removing lead and cadmium and, to some extent, mercury... <coughs> Mm -hmm. This is uh, has a salutary effect on the uh, health of the endothelium, mm -hmm. and thus slows uh, arteriosclerosis. So um, that's how it works. Okay, yeah. that's how it works. That's how it works. And you know, when it comes to uh, mercury, an oral chelating agent called DMSA, which mm -hmm. can be uh, it used to be available over the counter. Now it's only available through compounding pharmacies. Uh, that is a standard treatment for mercury. Yeah, yeah. It works and, a little better than EDTA. Yeah, and let's talk about the sources of mercury. The two big ones are silver amalgams in, mm. in teeth, and the other is seafood. The highest mercury seafood, there's seven of the highest. Okay. Let me just name them. The, the, yeah. the dirty, not the dirty dozen, but the... The dirty seven, the dirty or seven. dirty high mercury. Okay. Shark, nobody's eating shark. Swordfish, tuna... Marlin, orange ruffy, king mackerel, and tilefish. Tilefish. These are the highest in mercury to be eaten very sparingly. I had a good piece of swordfish the other last week at a Greek restaurant. It was phenomenal. That's, that's but I'll eat swordfish once twice a, a year. Once in a while. And yeah. I don't have any amalgams. I don't have any. Right. So I kind of go based on that a little bit. You have white fillings, in other words, I ceramic fillings. I have no fillings. fillings. Wow. I'm yeah. I'm 58. And no, I, I'm very. I have a tiny, right up here. <laughs> you can't tell, you listeners, but but it's it wasn't a cavity. It was um, sensitivity. You didn't eat sugar growing up as a child. Sure, I did. I used to put Nestle's Quick in my cornflakes <laughs> and then pour in the milk. So you must be somehow protected. Yeah, or something. I strep mutans doesn't like my mouth. I don't okay. know what it okay. is. Don't know okay. what. Don't know what. But I and I certainly don't eat much sugar in my adult life. Right. I'll have dessert from time to time. Yeah. That's that's essentially it. But yeah. But yeah, so we have time for like one more question. We have time for one more question. Let's see. Dr. Hoffman, this comes from Louise. I was listening to your podcast with Dr. Minnick, Deanna Minnick. I love her. Yeah, she's great. I wanted myself to and get And you wrote something, you echoed her a little bit. You talked about the yes, rainbow diet. and the she's rainbow. A big Eat the rainbow. Yeah, right. And she talks about that often. I wanted to get myself a sad light. I'm finding it harder SAD. to wake up these SAD lights. Seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder. Thank you. I'm finding it harder to wake up these days in the morning due to the darkness can you give me any recommendations as to what to look for in such lighting? I get up around 5.30, and I give myself time in bed before I rise. Is this a good time to use a light in between the alarm yeah. going That's, off and it's a good, getting you know, up? Do it when you get up, and you know because it gets. It depends on where you are. When I was in Lithuania, it wasn't, I didn't see the sun the whole time I was there. 
uh, and it was really well. It wasn't was it, cl- was it overcast? Cl- it was overcast, but it okay. would get it. It was like dawn was like you know eight thirty or something. Oh my! And then at three at three forty, it was the sun was going down. Yeah, it's that far north. Oh yeah, and that's so, right. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so it, so yes, I, SED lights are useful, um, and uh, you know I might mention that. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, I took melatonin, by the way, mm, to good. reset my time clock, but I still had a lot of trouble resetting my time clock. Okay. Um, I was yeah. getting up at crazy times in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep. Sure. Uh, because I was discombobulated. Yeah. But, uh, so, actually, the light is sort of the opposite of melatonin. Melatonin induces sleep, light wakes you up and, and reduces your melatonin production. Yeah. So... Um, one theory about seasonal affective disorder is you're overproducing melatonin because mm-hmm. it's dark all the time. So the light uh, shuts off your melatonin production. You, you said that's a theory? Yeah. That it, we're overproducing? Boy, but would, would that be more preventive, you know, more cancer prevention to secrete even more melatonin? Or could there be a downside besides the seasonal affective disorder? That's interesting. Well, Blind That's people right. actually may be less prone to cancer. Right. Being in the dark. Yeah. Wow. That's they also real have food circa- for They have circadian rhythm disturbances, though, too. That's real food uh, for But anyway, thought. so, you know, yeah. coming back to the light, I best thing to do is go to, like, consumer reports or something like that. There's a lot of guides. Yeah. Uh, get one that has adequate lux, which is intensity. Yes. And, you know, when I wake up, I, you know, read the paper... Uh, on my iPad, yeah, and I, you know, sort of lie in bed like you know for half an hour, forty minutes, and read the paper, and uh, th- so I get light from the iPad, but then I situate my SAD box, yeah, uh, right adjacent to the, you know on the bedstand, and you know I keep looking into it, and it hits the pineal gland, which suppresses melatonin yes, and sends a signal that, that it's time to wake up, right, even when it's dark outside, yeah, and that's the way you do like twenty minutes or half an hour every morning, yeah. Very nice. All right. So, Louise, there you go. And begin using it in, like, October, and yeah. then keep using it until, like, March or April. Mm-hmm. Because Very good. Uh, the, uh, the the problem uh, with daylight savings time is that it sort of extends the darkness in the morning. And it starts pretty early now. because it does. So, what, you, what happens is as soon as it starts getting light in the morning, they flip the, you know, the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is a problem that a lot of people are having. I would normally naturally wake up around 5.30 in the morning. Right. Because I'd normally go to bed by 10. By 10.30, I'm turning into... I'm literally falling asleep. I have to go yeah. to bed. But so waking up naturally at 5.30, and then when they push the clocks back, I, then I was naturally waking up at 4.30, even though I was staying up to the proper time, which is very interesting. So it's almost like... I don't know. Was I looking for a number on the clock? But then... It, it eventually reset itself, and I'm right. back to my but 5.30, imagine, 6 Imagine, o'clock. like, daylight savings time, where it's like, um, you know, uh, spring forward. That would be yes. like my trip to Lithuania, seven wow. times the, you know, what you get in the, in the yeah. spring forward. Exactly. Seven, advancing seven hours. Mm-hmm. And then coming back, it's like fall back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seven hours. Seven hours. And you were there, what, a week? Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite enough time to acclimate. Yeah. They say you need at least a week somewhere to acclimate to the new time. By that time, you're coming back. Especially when you're older. Yeah. It's a little harder. Okay. Yeah. All right. Even with melatonin. Yeah. But so, still worth it. 
Yeah. Hello, vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It's, it's yeah. Go to interesting places. Yeah. Anyway, thanks very much, Layla. Uh, that's all the time we have for yes. today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. Uh, remember to send your questions to questions, questions. at drhoffman.net. Yes, and thank you, everybody. And just a reminder, uh, we've got a special report that uh, is a free offering to television medicine users. Uh, Immunity Reset, a personalized plan to pandemic-proof your body and build resilience for a long, healthy life. Just go to drhoffman.com and click on the Read drop-down menu. And then click Immunity Reset, and you're there. And uh, especially as we head into the holidays, uh, we're going to need some immune resilience. Yes, with whatever's going around. All right. Thanks. And just, just as my yeah. voice is about to go. <laughs> well, you know what? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's one thirty in Lithuania. So. Oh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.